Welcome to the two-hour taste of the work. My name is Todd Smith, and today is August the 4th, 2015, and um, I'm very excited to have with us Martha Creek from Kentucky, who is a guest facilitator with us today. So welcome, everyone, and um, just give you a quick overview before we get started. Um, what we're planning to do for the next two hours is to basically do a lot of the work. Um, We'll spend the first 10 minutes or so introducing the work. Um, um, Martha will give an overview of what the work is, if you're new, and will also share some of her experience of doing the work over the years. Then uh, Martha will then lead us through filling in a Judge Your Neighbor worksheet, um, which will probably take another 15, 20 minutes or so, however long it takes. And then for the remainder of the time, uh, we, will we will facilitate, Martha and I will take turns facilitating people to do the work. And that will take us um, to the end of our two hours. So without taking up any more time, I'd like to just introduce Martha and um, just very happy to have you with us, Martha. Martha is a very experienced facilitator of the work and um, looking forward to getting to know her uh, through this, just like all of you. So welcome, Martha. Thank you, Todd. It's a privilege, a uh, heartfelt privilege to be able to do the work. My deepest desire is to have the work out across the world so that everybody can see for themselves why we would do this today. And my, um, I've got a website that's MarthaCreek.com if you want more credentials or my experience or anything about me there. If anybody's interested, I would, instead of speaking about it or taking the time here to go into that, I'd prefer you just to check it out for yourself if you're called to do that. You're certainly welcome to and uh, to contact me directly. Uh, you can find that through the website as well. My emails and phone number and everything is public information. And I'll also be sending an email out to everyone with that, with Martha's contact info. So you you'll be able to connect with her if you'd like. So the work is um, a practice for me. It's something I've been at. I first discovered it in 1997, but I did not practice it that long. I had it in a what I would call a spiritual toolbox uh, of other things that I use that range from various forms of meditation, transcendental meditation, vipassana, um, <laughs> therapies and modalities and everything else. And somewhere over the course of the years, in a very thorough search for what is effective, it occurred to me one day, why don't I use what is effective? And the work was what was effective, even though the other things brought some relief and brought some clearance, brought some balancing, brought other things that I was seeking. It was not sustainable. And often, by the time I would leave a workshop or seminar, um, I was just as tense and stressed as I was going in. So the work, it means the world to me. Um, it represents um, the work. I describe it as uh, freedom, a path to freedom. I consider it also emotional and spiritual maturity of some sort. It is basically defined as a way to identify and question the thoughts that are causing the suffering suffering in humans across the whole of the human phenomena 
and across the whole of humanity, thoughts is the cause of all the suffering. More so, the only time that we're suffering is because we're believing a thought that argues with reality. That is one of my favorite things about the work is that it is it can be simplified and reduced to what thought is causing this. It also keeps a clear definition on what is reality and what is imagination, what is fantasy, what is fairy tale thinking, what is um, 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 naive and childlike magical thinking. And the journey then from that magical thinking into reality is bridged by this work for me. And I've watched it and facilitated people for all these years now uh, make the journey across to reality in very mind-blowing, transformational ways. When the mind is in touch with reality, uh, when it's clear, we can see that what is, is. It's not good or bad. It's not right or wrong. There's no judgment on it. It is a clear understanding that what is simply is. And any variance from that, by naming it good, that would fall into a frame of good and bad and right and wrong causes the stress and begins our argument with reality. And reality to be different than it is is hopeless and very, very stressful. And still the mind in its activity um, produces Thousands, scientists say thousands of thoughts a day that argue, incessantly argues with reality. They should listen to me. With the world, is, life is hard. People should be kinder. Children should be well-behaved, etc. So these thoughts um, opposing reality and wanting reality to be different than it is is the core of the suffering. And my... Uh, on experience is any wanting period is a source of the stress and the suffering. So um, we are invited then and encouraged to drop our argument with reality and the work is my way to do that. I believe it is a path to freedom. I love it because it is free. I love it because it's not dependent on anybody or anything. And I love that it's available to people regardless of their belief systems, uh, their backgrounds, religion, professions, or anything else. It is accessible to all of humanity. I'm going to demonstrate it here as we fill out a worksheet. And... I am more interested in you experiencing the work than I am kind of talking about it. But I'm open to talking about it. If anybody here sees any benefit to doing that, or if if dialogue or questions taught if you're open to that, I'm open to taking them here. Um, and I'll proceed based on what you think is advisable here for the, to meet the objective. Are you able to hear me, Todd? I am, yeah, and that sounds good it's, to me. I'm all for 
doing the work, not talking about it. So um, if unless someone has got questions, then we'll go ahead and just move into the judge your neighbor role. Okay. So the floor is open then if you have any questions or any if there's a place you're blocked or hung up in doing the work that would um help to settle down here or to to go dive or deeper into the work if you want to address that now, I'm open to that. Anybody? Okay. Um so somebody want to do the work, work on a situation? Anybody? Well, um, what I was hoping would be that you would um, just facilitate us all to fill in a worksheet um, together, and then we'll all have one ready to um, to start questioning. Okay, uh, fantastic. Okay, great. Okay, then call to mind any um, person that you routinely have a an irritation with. So somebody that in general is an irritant to you. So if you had a magic wand and you could wave it, you would change them, whoever that might be. So then think about then in that recurring person, begin to think about what it is about them that is consistently a pain in the neck, like the thorn, the aggravator. So somebody that is routinely stressful. And then as you answer each of the questions, I'd invite you to be uncensored, uh, to be daring, uh, to be truthful and honest, and to allow the mind to come out for itself, to, to allow anything that's coming through the mind to be expressed on the paper with no censoring whatsoever. So think of a specific situation with this person where they, you were irritated, aggravated, and kind of just go back to it, just like land there. And in that situation with that person and that memory, what was you feeling? So in number one, Describe your feeling with them. I was feeling upset or confused or disappointed or sad or hurt. What was the feeling you had with them? And then because, like what's the what for? For example, I'm, I was mad at them because they didn't listen to me or I was angry with them because they didn't call me back. So describe it. Can I ask a question? Yeah. I'm having trouble finding a specific situation. I don't know if this is the right time to get help, but I... Yeah. Is there anybody that comes to mind that you're, you've been hurt by or angered with or frustrated with? Any person? I want to I do it on my new website. Okay. I've been, then I've 
Uh-huh. Go go That's with an that. Go ahead. Go ahead with that. Uh-huh. I'm frustrated with the website because um because it doesn't exist, my new website. But I can't think of a specific situation. I've been feeling like that for years now. Um, go with what's arising. Uh-huh. What, what's what the cause of the web? Is? What's the cause of the website not existing? Um. My developer, Bradley, like being slow or not, not going fast. Okay, then choose that. I'm upset with the not. developer because it's too slow. Go he or on. she's too slow. They didn't keep their agreement. It should have been up faster, like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Then how do I think of a specific situation? That's all right. Just work with what's arising. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm glad you give voice to it. So I find that the mind uh, can shut down, become resistant, and um, avoid doing the work. So don't let a technicality like I can't find a situation stop you from doing the work. You can work with any single thought that exists. So I'd encourage you not to get caught up in the nuances and the technicalities of this and, and let that stop you from doing the work. And the mind is um, very invested in its paradigms and its old um, known structures of existing. So please just work with any thought, not to let that stop you. Martha? Yes. This is Deborah. Um, I'm also thinking of a future situation, but should I use a past example so that I um, have a... Um, either one will so work. Can, uh-huh. I'm sorry? Work with what's arising in you. So is it, I'm worried about the future, or I'm worried about what somebody's going to do in the future? Um, I'm worried about a future scenario. I'm, I'm worried about going back to work about a, a job situation. Okay. And is, it, and is the worry based on something that occurred in the past? Um, not really. Well, it's 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 all these projections. Well, everything is. So you might then approach it with, I'm worried with the job. I'm worried with the job. Or I'm irritated with the job because I don't want to go back. Or it scares yeah, me. To that's go back. kind of what it is. It, you know, uh-huh. I mean, Just go with that then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any thought will do when doing the work. Any thought will do. Uh, even even though I may not have a specific uh yeah. incident. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to number two then. So what is it you're wanting? In number two, you outline the wanting. What do you want them to do? What do you want? How do you want it to change? How do you want them to change? Write in short, simple sentences. I want it to be easier. I want them to see they're wrong. I want them to stop what they're doing. What is your wanting?
And I didn't specify it up front, but please do not write about yourself. So this is not a lesson in um, just working on the self. This is a lesson in um, looking at the thoughts we have about other people or other things. So no, no writing about yourself, please. And if at any time I move too fast and you want more time, please just speak up and let me know. Um, I need a couple more minutes. Thanks. And then in number three, we're looking at shoulds and shouldn'ts. So what is it they should do? What advice would you give them? If you could tell them what to do, they should blank. Be thorough. Be petty. They should blank. Or they should not blank. Short, simple sentences. And then number four is what do you need from them? I need them to blank. What do you need them to think or say or do in order for you to be happy, in order to re in order for you to be back at peace, be happy, I need them to blank. 
need them to hear me. I need them to keep their agreement. I need them to be on time. What is it you need for them or from them? Then in number five, what is it, um, describe them. What do you think of them? And if it's to a situation or just what's arising, call them names. Judge them. What are they? Unfair, dishonest, out of line, undependable, irresponsible. Make a list. Describe them. What do you think of them? Lay it out. Be petty. The number six is what you don't ever, ever, ever want to experience again. So what is it? What is it that you don't ever want to experience again? I don't ever want to be lied to. I don't ever want to be neglected. I don't want to ever be overlooked. What is it? I don't ever want blank again. Martha? Yes. I'm writing a statement. Um, I want him to think he is better. Should I write it instead? I don't I don't ever I don't ever want to feel less than him. Or, yes. Okay. Yes. Mm
Okay, way to go, everybody. Is there any questions about this? How to lay out the thinking, this worksheet? Okay, let's let's then look at what we've got here and, and um, see where we can cross over. Yeah, so now to the next whole phase of this till the end of the call will just be taking volunteers to work with, with Martha and, and me. And uh, Martha, Martha will be the first facilitator. So, um, and before I ask for a volunteer, I just want to let you guys know, remind you that the call is being recorded and it will be for sale on my website. So if you don't want to be recorded, then don't don't volunteer. But um, if you do uh, want to do the work, then I invite you to to speak up now, and then Martha will work one concept with you. I'll volunteer. Okay. Scott, um, Todd, did you say you want me to facilitate one concept, honey, then you'll do one? Yeah, the way um, just for this take the work is um, just we'll, each person will work one concept and then we'll switch okay. to another person work one concept and then another person. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Good. Which one you want to work with? Um, this is Deborah. Um, well, I, I, I have the the worksheet and let's see which. As you wrote it, was there anything that was more heavy for you, or more weighted, more disturbing? Yeah, I'm looking to see which one. Um, Okay. Um, yeah, I've been um, I've been out of work for six weeks. I need to go back to work, and I'm finding it very difficult to get myself motivated. I'm very fearful. Um, I feel fearful getting myself back into an extremely stressful situation and feeling like I'm going to sell myself, uh, like I'll be a sellout, that I'll get myself back into a, a terrible situation and really disappoint myself. Um, this statement that, I, that um, jumps out at me is I need work to provide a work-life balance. To provide a workplace balance? Uh, well, it was a work-life balance. Balance, like a balance in life, balance. my personal mm -hmm. life and work life, like there needs to be a balance there. Yeah. What about the thought that you're going to get into a very stressful situation at work? You just said that. Yeah. Um, because I feel it, 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 it's kind of combined with the fear that I might make the wrong decision and and take something and feel like a total sellout that I sell for 
or something. It's kind of like I made a promise to myself and I'm, I'm afraid of making the wrong decision and ending up back where I was before, you know. And it's, okay. it's, it's the feeling that I need to find the right thing to to the right situation and that I might not be able to find it. And I can't even seem to get myself motivated to even send out resumes. I mean, that's just, okay. I feel so stuck. Yeah, so um, let me give, let me say these two or three thoughts back to you, Deborah, and see which one seems to be the, okay. the most uh, stressful to you, regardless of what you wrote down. So okay. You will you will make a wrong decision. It's going to be worse this time. And you need work to provide a work-life balance. Um, can you repeat the first two? Uh-huh. You will make a wrong decision. It's going to be worse this time. And I need work to provide a work-life balance. I think I'll, I'll make the wrong decision. That's uh-huh. when I okay. Yeah. So you'll make a wrong decision. Is it true? I can't know that. Don't know. To get a sense of the no. I'm sorry. Where it is in your get a sense of the no. Where did the no come from? Where does it live in you? Um, you cannot know that. Get a sense of it. It's just I can't know it with a hundred percent certainty. There's a part of me that's very fearful of it. Okay. Then get a sense of that no, where the no came from. Get a reference for it, where it come, where it came from. It's a no. It's coming from my head, not from my gut. <laughs> Can you absolutely know that it's true, that you'll make the wrong decision? No. I guess the first one would have been maybe a yes, but the second one was definitely not a yes. How do you react? What happens when you believe the thought, I'll make a wrong decision? I'll make the wrong decision. How do you react? Uh, just panic. Um, it just, I get so shut down that I get paralyzed with the fear and I do nothing. Um, I, I just, it, I suddenly turn away and I avoid doing anything. Um, I start doing mindless activities. I start doing other things, anything but a job search. And I, I do absolutely, or I do things to convince myself I'm doing it job search, but I'm really not doing anything that's really effective. Um, you know, I'll do online stuff or things that, you know, but anything that involves actual 
involvement with real people. Um, what do you fail to notice when you're believing the thought, I'll make the wrong decision? What do I fail to what? What do you fail to notice when you're believing I'll make the wrong decision? What do you fail to notice? I'm not making any decisions. Um, well, I guess I am in a way, but making no decision is making a decision. <laughs> but um, where did it first occur to you that it's possible to make a wrong decision? Well, I guess I'm playing back all the negatives of um, test, employment, situations that were extremely stressful, including my last one, um, where there was no work-life balance. Um, there's a lot of self-judgment because I made a promise to myself. It's almost like a vow that I would never settle again, that I would not be a sellout, that I would not just take just anything just for out of desperation, that I would take something that was I I, I would not take it out so of desperation with, that I was going to get something better, that I was going to. So say, say stop here, Deborah, if you can, and stay with the question here. Yeah. Where did? Where, what's the impact of believing this? If you continue to believe oh. the thought, I'll make the wrong decision. What's the oh, consequences the impact of that? Of the How thought does that is I'll make no, yeah, I'll make no decision. I'll, I, I just remain paralyzed. I do nothing. Okay. Do you see any peaceful reason to keep the thought? You'll make the wrong decision. No. Um, because that just makes my situation worse. It's like black and white. Yes, yes. Do you see a reason to drop it? Yes. So imagine then what it's like to be without this thought. Who would you be without the thought, I'll make the wrong decision? Um, wow. Kind of like all, like everybody else um, that doesn't think like this, that I look at and say, how is that, how, how is it possible that they do this and yeah. So say with the question, if you can't 
Yeah, to stay, stay close to the question here. It's so powerful. You got a wow out of that. So if you if this if this thought had no effect on you, yeah. If, you, if the thought still came to you, I'll make the wrong decision. I'll make the wrong decision. I'll make the wrong decision. And if it was still running through you, except you were no longer believing it, if it had no effect on you, what would that be like? Can you describe it? What would it feel like if you can did not, not believe have I can make the wrong de- to, uh-huh. to not believe uh-huh. I can make the wrong decision? Right. What would it feel like? I'm, I'm 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 kind of struggling here because I know that Katie says okay, it's so not really our decision to make that it. Okay. Would you? Yeah. Happens. Would you just just pause here, Deb? Pause here. Pause here. And close your eyes a minute. Yeah. If you I I am. I've had my eyes closed and I'm I'm really struggling so, with this. Okay. Huh? That's fine. It's okay to do that. Imagine. Just imagine. Waking up. Just waking up in your own bed, waking up in your own house. And what's different is you don't believe the thought, I can make the wrong decision. What would you be? What would you do differently if you were free of that thought? I'd have no limitations. There'd be nothing stopping me from doing anything I ever wanted to do. Yeah. Now get a sense of that. How would your life be different without this thought? No limitations. Yeah, there'd be no limitation. There'd be, I'd be free to move in any direction, uh, check out anything. There'd be no, um, no playing out all kinds of scenarios of why uh, this won't work, that won't work, why I can't do this, what if, there'd be no 
pictures of if you know uh problem scenarios being played out in my head um I think that you know one of the things come that comes to me too is that I would be there'd be self trust um yeah, and get a sense of that. And trust in the, in not just myself and the universe. And I I think I would feel that I'd be able to be able to make the right decision. There wouldn't be all this um, doubt, suspicion, um, judgment, worry, anxiety. I mean, I mean, I'm yes. whipping myself and- into this. Yeah. So if and if you were free of that, the doubt, the worry, the suspicion. Well, then I might be, be more able to make a better decision because my mind would be more open, more relaxed, and I might be able to pick up better signals and. Um, without yeah. all the so baggage, yeah get a sense of what that would be to simply be more relaxed. Even if the thought was coming to you, I'll make the wrong decision. You no longer believed it. You were more relaxed in its presence, what that would be like. You'll make the wrong decision. Who would you be without that thought? Hmm. Um, I am more open to... Actually, making a better choice, I guess, because I'd be not so in my head with all these stories and pictures and preconceived ideas and judgments and baggage that I'd probably be able to make better objective decisions. Um, and also realize that, you know, this is not a matter of life and death anyway. There's maybe, um, maybe not such a fatalistic view of, of what the Real, Really, is. yeah. <laughs> um, that it, it, you know. Yes. Yeah. So I'll make the wrong decision. What's the turnaround? 
Well, you know, it's like you can't have all the information. I mean, this, no matter how much information there is, I'll never have all the information. I'll have to make the best decision I can based on what information is available. And um, so what's, have the the opposite, mm-hmm. what's the oh, opposite? What's the opposite of I will? Turnaround. What's the opposite of uh, the turnaround? What's the opposite of I will? I won't. Okay, so I won't make the wrong decision. The wrong decision, yeah. No, because I'll make the best decision I can. Yeah, yeah. Take it in, like get a sense of it. Take it in. I won't make the wrong decision. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, that's an impossibility, really, because you're making a decision based on what you believe, right? Good to notice. Good to notice. Yeah. And if I'm more... Yeah. Get a sense of that, of just landing as reality, so to speak. Hmm. That means even in the past, I've made the right decision, even though I thought it was the wrong wrong decision, right? Say it again. Say it again and really hear what you're saying. Yeah. As painful as it was, I, even my past decisions were the right decisions because it's brought me where I am. I really take that in. This is the good news of reality. Yeah. Wow. The mind called it wrong. It has it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the mind wanted to call it bad, but it's been part of, I guess, the process to get me. So I will make the right decision. So even that was the right decision. Just. I do have a question, Martha. Why does sometimes even the right decision, which I understand even my past one was the right decision, but it feels like even though I I do believe that it was the right decision, it still feels like the 
right decision was painful. Yeah, well, because they are painful. It feels painful because it was painful to us. And it doesn't, it's the mind that's calling it right or wrong, though. And I can just tell you for me, Deborah, I avoid any why question. Why is like an incessant spin around hell? You know, (laughs) why, 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 why? And the mind loves that. It's so addictive. So I don't I don't entertain the why and I refer to it as a poor hotel. Okay. So you I just I'll I'll just offer that free um um caution to you there to drop the why. Okay. Hmm. All right. Okay. Thank you for doing the work, honey, and for and for um mirroring it for us. Yeah. Okay, Todd, your turn. Okay, Martha, thank you very much. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you. All right, so who else would like to do one of the concepts from the worksheet? This is fine, and I'll do a concept with you. Hey, Diane. Great. Before we start, could I just ask everyone to mute yourselves again? Um, a little bit of echo going. I don't want to out of control. Great. That sounds better. So um, what concept would you like to work from your worksheet, Diane? I should know what to do next. I'm noticing a theme here. (laughs) Okay, so I should know what to do next. So is that true? You should know what to do next. Yes. And can you absolutely know that that's true? No. How do you react? What happens when you think this thought, I should know what to do next? Wow. I feel... uh very scattered in my thinking. Um, I am frustrated with thinking, um, thinking it should already be clear to me what is next. Um, I get busy and avoid uh, taking any time to get clear about what would be next or what I would want to do next. I feel tightness in my head, uh, in my heart area. It feels heavy. And how do you treat yourself 
when you think you should know what to do next? Um, I beat myself up. I'm not very kind to me. Uh, I call myself names like dumb, disorganized, unfocused. Yeah. And what are you unable to do when you think this thought, I should know what to do next? I am uh, unable to see that I do know what to do next because it's what's right in front of me. So. So I'm not realizing what I what I am already aware of, what I am already doing, what's readily available to me. Yeah. And what kind of images do you see? in the past or the future, when you think that you should know what to do next and you, at the moment, don't? The images that come are um, from the past of my ex-husband laying on the couch watching TV uh, with Plenty of things to be done that he is not doing, including working for a job, including taking care of household basic duties. Um, so that image comes to mind, and next to it is like a pile of bills just piling up. Like he, like next to him on the couch, there's an image of a pile of bills on the floor. Oh, yeah. That's great. Um, so uh, that's the past. And then the future, uh, the images that come to mind are, um, it's, it's like a picture of me as a little sailboat just um, bobbing up and down, no anchor, uh, just going from this wave to that. And in and out of the shore, uh, no clarity of purpose or um, no chartered course. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you get for holding on to this belief? What's the payoff? Hmm. It seems like the payoff is um, staying stuck, um, like um, not taking steps forward, um, not committing 
to anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who would you be without this thought? I should know what to do next. I would be uh, grateful that I am present to the right now. I would be uh, realizing that whatever I need to know, I know at that point when I need to know it. It's not possible um, to move forward any faster than I do. Um, I would be enjoying the the pause right now uh, versus letting an unknown future scare me. Um, Yeah. So turn this thought around. I should know what to do next. Hmm. I shouldn't know what to do next. Why not? Hmm. Why is it understandable that know what to do next? It's understandable um, because next isn't here yet. Yeah. I'm not ready for next. Um, anticipating and living in the future. Um, mm -hmm. I shouldn't know what to do next. Why is there any truth in that for you? Yes, the truth is um, I'm still at the tail end of the job. It's not over yet, not fully even available yet. Um, so I'm just trying to race ahead and plan out, like be in a typical pattern of being ready for, being ever prepared for, being planned out, and it's just a different, different situation. Yeah. So, what's what are some of the advantages of not knowing what to do next? Um. Leaving me pretty available. Um, 
to just go with the flow, go with the next invitation. Um, do what is appealing to me versus what is um, just out of routine or pattern. It's uh, leaving uh, like open work table room in my mind for um, possibilities versus um, everything all mapped out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Just how does that? Room. So I should know what to do next. I shouldn't know what to do next. Any other examples for you of how that could be as true in your specific situation? Mm. I shouldn't know what to do next. Um. Because I actually operate pretty well with unknowns without needing to know all the details, without um, having to have a play-by-play -play of what is next. Um, so I actually operate pretty well under that, with that. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So do you really need to know? <laughs> if you operate that way. Well, that's really good for me to see. Say that again. Sorry, I didn't hear the last bit you said. Said it's really good for me to see that I'm already comfortable operating that way. Yeah. It's like, where did you pick up this idea that you have to know what to do next? When <laughs> it you're... comes from people asking me repeatedly, so what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? What, where are you going to be? What are you going to do? What are you going to do next? Like an ongoing repeated question. And at some point, I may have started out feeling okay answering, I'm not sure yet. I don't know. Um, I'm just going to take some time and see. And then at some point, I start to lose my um, faith in that or my my solid yes in that and start questioning myself that that's okay. 
I'm okay yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah. Here's, you actually start questioning your own your, your own strengths. Um, and just as an aside, those situations, any one of those situations when somebody is asking, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? That would be a situation if, where I would have a worksheet on that person. You mean that they're questioning what I need to do, what I'm going to be doing next? Uh huh. Any any of your stress thoughts about about that come up in that situation? That's certainly an opportunity to to write a worksheet. Thank you. Okay. Welcome. So okay, so I shouldn't know what to do next. Sounds like that's not necessary because you do. You do well on the fly. Mm -hmm. So, um, any other example of why you shouldn't know what to do next? Any disadvantages to knowing what to do next? Mm. Not a concrete example, but. Um, I can see in life where if I knew what was coming next, I may not have um, really wanted to know that. So there may be a blessing in not knowing what's coming next that way. Very good point. Yeah. So I would just drive myself right to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it could be um, even better than anything uh, my mind has imagined versus it could be, you know, instead of like going to the scary dark side, it could be even better. Yeah. Like you're limited by your thinking at that time, as opposed mm -hmm. to seeing whatever comes might be what you could create plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Just thinking about my life. If I had known what to do next, I'd, I'd probably be in a very different place. Probably working at a bank mm -hmm. somewhere. I don't know. Just. <laughs> I'm leaving. shouldn't know what to do next in that particular context. Like what phase are you in? Are you in the dissolving phase or in the creating phase? Uh, in the dissolving. 
Yeah. So is knowing what to do next a part of that process, that phase? Um, no. So I shouldn't know what? next. My job is to dissolve the one I'm in. Mm-hmm. It's true. Any other examples for you of how this turnaround could be as true? I shouldn't know what to do next. Nothing comes to mind. Okay. So any other turnarounds? I should know what to do next is the original. Uh, they should know. Yeah. <laughs> On my job, that feels um, specifically true as it's been um, going through this merger process um, and on the tail end of wrapping things up that the merger acquisition team should know what to do next with uh, their final request from me or uh, the last report they need. So, yeah, feels yeah. true that they should know. They should know, as opposed to mm -hmm. you. Yes. And how about all those people saying, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? I should ask them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think I should do next? Just get more ideas from people who seemingly care about me. Exactly. You could have a whole ton of them coming in your way. Yeah. Yeah. Versus just this shutting down that feels like it's like a withdrawal from that conversation versus uh, engaging. Yeah. And if what they say doesn't match, then that's for them. That's their reality. They should know what to mm -hmm. do next. Not necessarily me. <laughs> right. And I see this turnaround also. Um, they should know what to do next with um, the people in my department who are exiting, the people throughout the organization who are exiting, and um, just having a lot of personal conversations with these people about what they're doing next. Um, with them asking me questions and you know looking for some kind of direction for themselves. So it's also true that each one of those they should know what to do next. So it sounds like everyone's taking care of themselves fairly well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sure. So any other turnarounds? I should know what to do next. Well, I put my thinking on it before my thinking should know what to do next. Yeah, isn't that been your experience? Mm-hmm. True. 
thinking she knows what to do next. That's what thinking does. <laughs> Run its own little course over here. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, so who would like to go next, this time with Martha? Come on, y'all. I need to all mm-hmm. What you got? Did someone say they're going to do the work? I'll go next. Thank Thank you for it. This is Joan. Okay, Joan. You want to read something that you wrote? Um, I guess from the Judge Your Neighbor worksheet, one of the themes that comes out is he should be fair. He should be fair. Uh-huh. I'm sorry? He should be fair. Yes. Um, Is that true? I am angry with him because he tried to cheat me. So um, in all these questions, it seems I keep saying, for me to be happy, he should be fair. My advice that I give him, he should be fair. Yeah. So let's question it then. He okay. should be fair. Is that true? Yes. He should be fair. Can you absolutely know that it's true? He should be fair. I'm still stuck on yes. Thank you for your honesty about it. How do you react when you believe the thought he should be fair? and he isn't. Uh, Makes me angry, Um, stressed, diminished, wronged, powerless, attacked, and bullied. What does this believing this thought cause you to do? You should be fair. What does it cause you to do? Shut down. Um, just feel very wronged. Um, withdraw. Turn against myself. Specifically, how do you treat yourself when you're believing he should be fair? I think that there's something that I'm doing that make, made him be unfair. Um, I turn it against myself, like I blame myself because he's not being fair. That if only I had gotten through to him, he would have been fair. 
how do you treat him when you're believing he should be fair and believing that you've been wronged? How do you treat him? Um, I get very angry at him. Um, I lash out. I tell him it's not fair that he's not being fair. I push him out of my life. I assume that if he's not fair, other people are not going to be fair. Then what images come in when you believe that? Um, a small little girl, defenseless, taken advantage of, him being bigger because of his gender and because he's firstborn, he assumed he could be unfair to me. I see myself as less, less than him. Do you continue to believe this? He should be fair. What does it cost you? <laughs> it's cost me like the last seven years of my life since my parents passed away and he was unfair in carrying out their final wishes. So what did it cost me? It cost me pretty much everything. It cost me financially, hiring lawyers. It cost me emotionally got very depressed, didn't want to be around people anymore. My family suffered because of it. I kept trying to make it different. So I, I couldn't accept it. What's the payoff to the to the righteous mind to keep the belief he should be fair? What does it get for holding on to that? Um, it keeps me stuck on my story. He should be fair. Um, it prevents me from dropping it and Moving on. So I'm definitely stuck on the belief. I'm sorry, Martha, did you say something? I'm having a hard time hearing you. Could you repeat it again, please? 
where did it first occur to you in your life that he or they should be fair? Oh, okay. Um, probably the first time he was unfair to me as a child because he was kind of a bully older brother and I was the only girl among three boys and fairness was like a huge issue growing up so uh, is that what you mean like the first time the issue of uh-huh. fairness yeah, yeah. The first time now look at what it. look at the impact this one thought has had on your life yeah this notion of fairness yeah Because I, I equated fairness with being equal, and so when he was unfair to me, I felt less than him, which is exactly yeah. how he wanted it. So do you see any reason to continue to believe that he should be fair? So take that in, the reality of that. Yeah, the reality is I can't make anybody else be fair. Do you see a reason to drop the concept of fairness? Yeah. There's a lot of background noise. I don't know if anyone else hears it. Yeah, I also hear that. Could everyone please mute themselves if Mr. Mr. Martha or um, Joan? Thank you. Thanks. He sh- he should be fair. Who would you be without that thought? Well, I would be more optimistic. Um, I would feel equal to him. Um, I would feel more forgiving. go, Go slow here, Joan, so that when you find this wisdom, this optimism, who I who I would be is optimistic. Get a sense of that. What it would actually be like to be that. Even in this situation, even with him being unfair, even with exactly the same circumstances, it's not it's not different. What's different is you, and you're now optimistic. Right. What would that be like? Get a sense of it. He would have less of a hold on me. I would just be able to be myself and focus, get my focus back on my life. Um, 
Yes, and what images do you see? How would you live differently if he didn't have a hold on you? If the situation didn't have a hold on you, you were more optimistic, what would you uh, be like? What would you do? I could get myself to go back to work because um, I really fell into a very deep depression. Um, I could just see that, and I am seeing that, unfairness after parents pass away in the state business happens way too often ruins families so my family's not unique um, I could and I am I guess using that understanding to kind of send a message I've been doing some healing work with my art and um, speaking out about families and the importance of families and maintaining relationships, respecting the parents. I feel optimistic when I connect with other people who are dealing with these situations and they're still deep in the throes of it and I'm coming out of it for sure I'm coming out of it not as fast as I'd like but things are turning around I'm turning things yeah. around yeah. keep going honey who would you be without the thought he should be fair who would you be if you didn't believe that I would feel good about fighting to uphold my mother's wishes. Um, I would be free of their negative influence and the hurt that they caused me, which now I realize well, I know I've been causing myself the hurt. They've gone on with their lives and I'm still stuck in the hurt. So I would be free to rekindle my friendships that I kind of let go by the wayside, go back to work, take pleasure in things that I enjoy, doing my art, working with children. I would feel more confident feel better about myself. Get a sense of this in your body. This confidence, this freedom. How would you treat yourself differently? Instead of comparing you, for example, and believing you're less than or that you caused this, if you were free of this, this notion of he should be fair, how would you treat yourself differently? I wouldn't sabotage myself. I would be kind to myself. I would feel deserving to be kind to myself.
it's a really strong message because it was from my childhood that was kind of rekindled after my parents passed away. Mm-hmm. Kind of brought all that back. It's kind of like a lifetime of feeling less than as you know, just the only girl among three boys and very traditional family that valued boys more than girls. Yeah. So. Go back into that little girl when this first occurred and the first bullying and the unfair treatment and see who would she be, who would the little girl be with all that happening, the same things happening. Just she doesn't have any reference for fair. He should be fair. So that so, little girl was free of the beliefs. Mm-hmm. What, would that, what would that have been like? Oh, she'd be happy. She'd be... Um, free to be a child and um, okay. how would you have like lived your life judging yeah. I'm sorry yeah. I'm sorry I cut you off there so you would not feel like you're being judged right right she would have been free of the judgment. Right. Get a sense yeah. of that in your body. So judgment's all around. Yeah. Judgment's coming from every direction. Right. And you're free of it. Right. So how would you have lived differently throughout your life if if you weren't believing in fairness? He should be fair. I would speak up for myself. I would, um, I would voice my opinions instead of feeling like you shouldn't do such a thing. I would be warm toward other people. I wouldn't be afraid. I mean, I was terrified as a child, very, very terrified. And if you weren't terrified, what would you be? Confident. Self-assured. Not judging myself. I would just be a happy little girl. But what a woman, a little girl or woman, who doesn't judge herself, what would she do? She would follow her dreams without sabotaging myself and saying, oh no, if only I were this, I could do this. to get a sense of that in this situation what that confident free of judgment woman would be honestly and it's how it's hard to imagine mhm mhm yeah yeah so how would you treat him differently if you weren't bound up in this if you
wasn't believing the thought he should be spared. I would be understanding. I would see that he has the issue with being threatened by me. He was the firstborn, and I came along and likely rocked his world. And it was always, you know... Get a sense of this understanding, Joan. So on number four, I really like to slow down, really slow down. Okay. These answers are are solid ground. Mm -hmm. Who I would be understanding. So I like to slow really down and get like, yeah, what would an understanding woman do? I would I could see that I've rocked his world. Yeah. Yeah. I would just accept it. Yes. You know, it's it's your issue, not mine. Yes. I'm just trying to be a little girl. With more interesting things to do. Yeah. A lot more <laughs> interesting things to do. Like follow my dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Call a my lot. friends. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So he should be fair. Yeah, I have no say. I have no say if he's going to be fair or not. Okay, yes. turn it around. Uh huh. Should be fair. He shouldn't be fair. Okay, now feel that. He should not be fair. He shouldn't be fair. Feel that in your body. And then feel again. He should be fair. He should be fair. Which one? feels seems more true it's still he should be fair yeah so the turnaround then he shouldn't be fair so which is reality based he should be or he shouldn't be he shouldn't be fair is definitely reality based okay then what would it be like to be in reality about it Just accepting, just separate from him. Yes, separate. He he could believe what he wanted, and I would know what was best for me. I would just be myself. Yeah, and what are the consequences to you if you don't come into reality over it? If you still believe and hold as true, he should be fair, although it's not reality-based. Right. What are the consequences to you if you stay in that fantasy? Huge. I torture myself. Yes. So is reality truer or is fantasy truer? Reality is truer. Yeah. Say it again. Reality is definitely truer. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... He should be fair. Turns around, he shouldn't be fair. He shouldn't be fair. So what's an example of how he should not be fair? Well, he was doing what kids do. They put themselves first. He just never learned a different way to do that as an adult. He doesn't know how to be fair. 
he's very self-centered and narcissistic. It's all about him. So if you were under, uh huh. So if you were understanding, uh huh. Mm -hmm. What would be an example? Accepting. Right. What would be an example then of how he should be unfair if I was understanding and accepting of it? What could I see as an example of why he would do that? Well, he, he probably thought he was being fair to himself. Yes. I would just accept that he needed to put himself above me to feel good about himself. Mm -hmm. He's believing what he's thinking. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which I can relate to, you can relate to. Mm -hmm. And the power of that. Yes. He should be fair. What's another turnaround? I should be fair. Uh-huh. What's an example of that? Relative to him and this situation where you would be better off. I should be fair. Well, if I were able, if I had been able to convince them of the reasons that we should simply respect my mother's wishes, we would still be intact as, as siblings, and we're not anymore. So fairness would have kept our family together. So you could have been fair by keeping the family together versus pushing your mother's wishes. Is that what you mean? Well, to me, they were one and the same, pushing my mother's wishes that were fair wishes. They were okay. fair. Yeah. So what's an example of I should be fair, you should be fair? Well, I should be fair in realizing he was unable to be fair be fair with great with example. him yeah okay yeah great example yeah look for another one what's another example of i should be fair with him toward him well if i were fair to him i would accept his limitations and have been able to be at peace with it instead of being stuck and wanting to force him to be fair. Does that make any sense? Yes, yes. And get a sense of it. Of what it would be like to live out these turnarounds. Yeah. I yeah, I should be fair. Yeah. That's the one place in the world I can bring any fairness. 
accepting the reality of it. Yes. He should be fair. Is there another turnaround? I should be fair. I shouldn't be fair. Um, it's it's not like a direct turnaround. Yeah. So it's like yeah. if you turn it around to the self, like I should be fair to me, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. example. Can you yes. see that, Joan? Yes, absolutely. So can you see examples of how that's the place you have power, so how you would have been better off to be fair to yourself? Yeah. Even while he's being unfair, how would you have been better off to be fair to yourself? What would be an example of how you could do that? Well, I could keep keep myself separate from him, even though he was being unfair, and I could still realize what's fair is to be good to myself and my family and my friends and keep working and do what would have been fair for me despite him being unfair and selfish. Anything he is, despite anything. I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Despite anything, I can be fair to me regardless of what he does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or anybody yeah. else does. Right. So then... So that's one turnaround, like to, to turn around it to the self. You know, I should be fair to me. Then another one is I should be fair to him, which you explored. Mm-hmm. Right. I should be fair to him. Right. And then and un- he should not his... be fair to me. By accepting it, understanding right. his thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the family position and likely what he's, what's going on in his mind over there. And then the right. opposite, he should not be fair. So yeah. um, are you familiar with the my thinking turnaround? Not really. So you you can try on my thinking should be fair. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's been helpful to me over the years because it gave me a little space between the personalities. So I, was, I didn't feel as subjected to this when I could turn it around to my thinking should be fair. Yes, I can definitely see that. Because yeah. it was my thinking that made up what's fair and unfair. Right, right. My thinking that put all these concepts out. Yes, for okay. sure. That was helpful then, honey. Very helpful. Thank you, Martha. Yeah. So that that little turnaround has it's created some space for me over the years. It doesn't always apply or work, but, you know, with the turnarounds, we're just trying them on to see yeah. what works. Mm-hmm. And then I have another turnaround that's not so often used, Joan, and it is it's relative to the, the way we turn around number six on the worksheet, and it is I'm willing for him to be unfair. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I do this as a practice because until I am willing, I am a victim to this. Yeah. I'm sabotaged again, and that's no life for me. Right. So I, I typically use that turnaround for any concept that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, like in the first um, little um, um, inquiry we did today, that, that turnaround would have been, I'm willing to think I'm making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. 
and then with Diane's, I'm willing to not to know what to do next. Mm-hmm. And then with and yours, it's I'm willing for him to be unfair. unfair. Uh huh. I see. Can you yeah. get a sense of that? What it would be like to be willing? Yes, I can definitely feel the space. I can't put it into words, but it is sort of taking it um, less personally somehow. That's right, and that's how I describe it. I can stay more objective about it instead of subjected to it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So it's been very powerful for me over the years. I am willing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Good. Thank you, Joan, for your depth and willingness here. Thank you, Martha. And here's one of my little one-liners um, that this this work was especially relevant to me in many ways, and including the part about you believing that you've caused it in some way or that you're to blame. Right. So I will be taking that to my own inquiry now, and I could offer that back to you as a facilitator to use that on the one-liner sheets on the. Uh, one belief at a time sheet, this notion of I caused it. or I caused it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I'm to blame. And my little one-liner is compare equals despair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that kept coming through me as I was listening to the end. How we compare who's better than, less than, worse than, better than, bigger than, littler than. So any compare is going to leave me in despair. Every single time. Yeah. yeah. So God, God bless you. All blessings to you. Thank you, Martha. Yeah, you're welcome. Appreciate you, too. Yeah, you're welcome, Todd. Yeah, and thank you both. Yeah. Very powerful to witness. So... Um, I'm noticing the time here, and I've got an option for you. Since we started about 10 minutes late, we could go 10 minutes over if people want to. Otherwise, we can close, um, you know, on time. What What are your thoughts? Just to show of of um, what what would work for you guys best? I'll have to close at 4:30, honey. It's Martha. Okay, perfect. So um, let's let's just do that. Let's just close at 4:30 as we planned. And um, so just to to wrap it up, um, this is a taste of the work. This is just a taste of the work. And we really we wrote a whole worksheet, all of us. And there are many concepts on each worksheet, each with a different angle of our stressful thoughts, stressful minds. So I encourage all of you to take the time and give yourself the time to go through and question more of the thoughts that you wrote on the on the worksheet and just keep exploring with these four questions and these turnarounds and the examples. It's just a, a wide open world of exploration. So I just encourage you all to to do that, and um, there's so many ways to do the work. You know, you can you can pair up with people. In fact, anyone who would like to pair up from this call, just let me know, and I'll be happy to facilitate that. 
um, you know, you can work with Martha or myself or there's, I think, over 160 certified facilitators uh, worldwide. Um, there's the Do the Work helpline, which is free, and you can call up. Um, just go to thework.com and, and find that. Um, I have a program called uh, Slow Cook Inquiry or Steady Pace Inquiry, where we meet with people. We meet online and do the work uh, every day on an ongoing basis. So I just invite you to explore all the ways that you can do this simple process and, um, and just open and see what you can find. Um, I've been doing it for a long time and, and it just continues to amaze me. Continues to, you know, I'm still not bored of it. <laughs> it's just four questions and these simple turnarounds. But, uh, so that's just my invitation to, to take it. This is just a, a taste and to take it and go as far as you like with it. So with that, um, yeah, one other thing, next, there'll be another two-hour taste of the work, and you can do this on an ongoing basis as well. I have them every week. Um, the next one will be next Thursday, about 10, 10, 11 days from now, on August 13th, and the guest facilitator will be Robin Kovich, and I'm looking forward to having her with us in a similar program like today. So most especially, I just want to thank you, Martha, for being here and for facilitating us. Um, just a pleasure to witness your, your facilitating and just to do the work. Thank you for it, Todd, again, for setting it up and for everybody online. And I've got a little reading here that comes from the free little excerpt of the book. And it says, the work reveals that what you think shouldn't have happened should have happened. It should have happened because it did happen. And no thinking in the world can change it. This doesn't mean that you condone it or approve of it. It just means that you can see things without resistance and without the confusion of the inner struggle of mind. No one wants their children to get sick. No one wants to be in an accident. However, when these things happen, how can it be helpful to mentally argue with them? We know better than to do that, yet we still do it because we didn't know how to stop up until now, says Martha Creek. Up until now, we didn't know how to stop. Now we know how to stop. Blessings to you all. Thank you. Thank you, Martha. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Todd and Martha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you all. Thank uh, you. All. Okay, have a great rest of your day, everyone. You too. You too. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.